Well, hello. Hello, hello, hello to everyone that is coming on. Um, everyone that will be coming on, watching the replay. Um, we This is an actual live broadcast. Um, I've been pre-recording uh, just for a convenience, but this particular subject, um, life has forced me to kind of just do this live. So um, if you will, before we get started, just take a minute and share. Um, for those of you that want to share it and um, also just, you know, just maybe keep it on your timeline. Um, I'm going to check in and make sure and then put my comments on here. Okay, so welcome to everyone. For those of you that are just joining me for the first time, I go by Zoe D Speaks. Um, I am an author, a speaker, a teacher. And um, this month, I just committed to kind of diving into a couple of topics that are very heavy. Um, I speak mainly on sexual purity and um, marriage, um, singleness, marriage, sexual purity, all ages, really. But my heart is for our young daughters. And that is one of the reasons why um, I wanted to do this particular live. So the name or the title of this teaching or this live um, or this focus will be the rise of whoredom. And it's based on, uh, uh, it's actually a follow-up of last week. So if you didn't catch last week's um, our whoredom message, where we just basically focus on defining what whoredom was, along with acknowledging the fact that um, sexual expectations are not the same biblically for men and women. And I know that that is not something that we like to necessarily um, acknowledge. However, it is what the scriptures say <laughs> um, or don't say. And so as I have been studying more of the scriptures for over about a year and a half now or going on two years in the subjects of sexual sin, purity, different things like that, I've just understood that a lot of things that I grew to believe and stand on. And if you've been following me for years now, you know, like I've went hard on uh, single women respecting marriages and, you know, all types of stuff uh, just under um, premise of regurgitation, I guess you could say, of things that I grew up in. I grew up in a strict household that upheld uh, purity. You know, um, one of my mama's infamous messages I stuck with even until my 30s was, you know, why buy the cow if the milk is free? <laughs> and I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one. However, along the years, you know, as women and as a culture, we have really uh, released ourselves from a lot of these purity teachings. And, you know, one of the things I want to disclaim and say, I am really talking to a particular audience, very particular because... I don't want to tussle with y'all. <laughs> it's the wrong glasses. I don't want to tussle with y'all about whether or not 
what's right, what's wrong. You know, if you are a daughter of the Most High, you proclaim to be a daughter of the Most High, you proclaim to be a daughter of Israel, um, then the Bible should be your final authority, right? If you do not proclaim to be a daughter of Israel in the sense of identifying as a Hebrew Israelite daughter, then you would proclaim to be a Christian or a believer and still live by those same principles of scripture. And there's not one scripture that I found. And if y'all found, find it or ever find it, please let me know. But there are not any scriptures that I have found that have approved of sexuality, um, loose sexuality. And we have created a culture where we boast in this. We have created a culture of, especially as women, where we literally feel like, you know, we can do whatever we want to do with our bodies and it's okay. We can, especially now that we understand cleansing and, you know, uh, for those in that or in a, in a, in a sense, um, we know that we can cleanse and, you know, kind of recommit ourselves and all that type of stuff like that. But there are not any scriptures that um, allow you as a daughter of Israel or as a believer in the Bible to be able to justify any type of sexual behavior. Now, what I have learned um, along the years, and I'm not going to get into a lot of that because I've covered that. And I actually have a course called Raw Sex where I cover actual sexual sins. Um, they are not necessarily, my bad job. They are not necessarily what we have been taught sexual sin is. And sexual sin, as far as speaking on sin is, Specifically, those things in Leviticus 18 and in a couple of the scriptures where certain practices were forbidden and consequences were given. And so I will have to say that I do not believe that a lot of things that we have created that were sexual sins are actually sexual sins. Um, can I also get some tea fix, some metal tea, please? Um were not actually sexual sins. And so I do not like this, Claire. And so I'm not going to go there because, like I said, I have a course and um, it specifically goes through all of those sexual sins according to biblical standards, not according to Americanized, Westernized, any other culture except for what the scriptures say. So if you are, if you don't identify as a daughter of Israel, meaning a Hebrew Israelite daughter, or if you don't believe in the Bible and to the to the extent that you are following it and patterning your life after it, then you can exit gracefully. <laughs> um, this is really not talking to you because I don't want uh, to tussle in the, in the sense of our personal beliefs. You know, I'm personally fine with everybody believing what they want to believe. But when I'm speaking, especially in this topic, I'm specifically uh, discussing and talking to a particular audience. So I really needed that to be said before we get into it, because what I do want to bring up is the fact that I do believe that we, like I said, have strayed far from the original plan for us as women in terms of sexuality. And again, I can, and we can go to scriptures that point to the expectation of 
our sex, sexual purity being mandated by the Most High. And I'm going to go into, you know, a little bit of my last experiences and how, you know, Yahweh has always pulled me into purity. You know, I got called to purity at the age of 19. I lost my virginity February the 6th, 1999 is a day I will never forget. Um, a day that a night that changed my life and I was only in the eighth grade. And so for whatever reasons, you know, the enemy has tried to destroy my call to purity. Um, he started at a very, very young age. And I think that I am a perfect example of how the Lord redeems regardless um, but I will say that once I gave my life and committed my life to Yahweh at the age of 19 in 2003, I was like 18, um, I was 18 in 2003, one of the first things that he called me to was divorcing my boyfriend because we were spiritually one. You know, um, that was one of the only relationships where I was not with any other man at all. And so a year and a half of that oneness and including the, the intoxications and all the things that all the, the portals that we opened up with that illegal sex, because we did not cover it with a covenant in a sense, um, it 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 was shattering to say the least. However, at the age of 18, I prayed for months and months and months and months for God not to take that relationship from me. But he was like, no, like y'all not going in the same direction. I've called you out and you've got to stand. And so that was at the age of 18. Um, a couple of months later, I got the strength to leave that relationship. But from that age until my now husband, you know, the Lord has never given me the okay to just have sex the way that I want to have sex. Like it was never okay. And I think that we, as a culture of women, the particular women that I'm talking to, we have to understand that there is a call to purity, that there is an expectation of purity. And so if we look in scriptures and see the very beginning of, or the expectations that were given, um, we will see that the Lord has not changed his mind. You know, and we talked about whoredom from a biblical sense. And I broke that down because a lot of terms in the Bible are very intentional. When we talk about biblical whoredom, we're really talking about prostitutes. You know what I'm saying? And we can bring that home to modern day because a lot of women have whorish mentalities. You got to pay to talk to them. You got to pay to have sex with them. You got to pay like that is similar to prostitution you know and then we teach our daughters the same thing and that is the topic of tonight the rise of whoredom in the sense that we are continuing this cycle of whoredom because we don't honor virginity we don't honor the purity that the lord has called us to and so i want to go quickly um to a glimpse of where we first see or one of the places where we see an expectation of purity for women. And I was talking to, I was talking to a young lady, not, well, maybe probably a year ago uh, by now, 
I want to say a year ago. And she said to me, she said, I just can't imagine the, the God that I know that loves me being so unfair. And so what I explained to her was, I said, well, if we understand the love of Abba, then we will understand that the things that he requires of us are not to be unfair, but is to cover us as his daughters. And so, you know, we have this notion as a culture that we can do whatever men do. And, you know, we got to give them a taste of their own medicine and baby girl, we cannot, like, since we cannot, there is no such thing as giving them a taste of their own medicine. It is completely different, you know? Um, and I'm reminded of this song and say, you know, it's okay when they do it, but it's a problem when I do it. In this sense, it is. <laughs> and I'm not saying that it's okay in any type of manner. And I'm going to go back to that because I kind of touched on it a little bit last week um, or the last live where there is an expectation for men. However, it's still not the same. It is not the same. Purity is required as a daughter of Israel, as a woman who says that Yah is her first love and living by the scriptures, purity is required. So we take a look at Deuteronomy 22, uh, verse 13, and we're going to go through wherever my slides finish. <laughs> um, but we're going to start here. It says, if a man take a wife and go, go in into her and hate her and give occasions of speech against her and bring up an evil name upon her and say, I took this woman. And when I came to her, I found her not a maid. Let's stop right there. So understanding biblical culture and biblical um, terminology. You were covered by either your father or your husband. You went from your father's home to your husband's home. Okay. So the expectation is for the daughter in the father's home to be a virgin. To be a virgin. Okay, let me go back. I'm trying to figure out why my video is not playing. So let me remove that. Uh, okay. Okay. <laughs> Got knocked off the internet. This is one of the reasons I pre-record, by the way. So let me go back and pull up the the um, file. Okay. So we were at um, basically the expectation of the woman, the, the young woman was to be a virgin. 
there was no giving a daughter away in your household and she was not a virgin. Okay. So from the very beginning, we see that in the household, the expectation is virginity. There is no way around that. There is no way that you can sugarcoat that. There's no way that you can say, well, the Bible days, the Bible days are still the Bible days, because if you say that you're living by this Bible, then you will understand that the Bible still did not, you know, Yahweh didn't change his mind. Like there's no, nowhere. And, you know, we, a lot of times we'll go into this new Testament and we'll say, you know, well, it's okay because grace covers that. Even in the new Testament, you don't see a green light for sexual immorality in any shape, form or fashion. And a lot of times we have confused sexual immorality with the modern day things that we consider uh, sexual immorality, but biblically that is not the case. Sexual immorality de dealt a lot with incest, um, you know, a man taking uh, the sister's wife to, to um, I mean, the sister, though his wife's sister uh, to have them in competition with each other. Like there were plenty of uh, moments to where you would see sexual immorality, right? And it's just not the case when it comes to you going out here, having sex with your boyfriend and thinking that, okay, this is fine because it's not. And so going back to this scripture, it says he, if he goes into her, notice it, it doesn't say anything about the man being a virgin. It says nothing about the man being a virgin. It says that he goes into her and he brings evil, bring up evil name upon her and say, I took this woman. And when I came to her, I found her not a maid. I.e. Virgin. Then five, then shall the father of the damsel and her mother take and bring forth the tokens of the damsel's virginity into the elders of the city in the gate. Another thing was you had a bride price. You know, it wasn't so much as the daughter is going to this husband and he's not paying. Can I get on the plate? Thank you. He's not going into this um this covenant without paying for it. You know, and that's probably where we get this whole ideology of that the man is supposed to pay for. But if you're not a virgin, like what is, what is he paying for? I mean, let's be real. Like if you're not a virgin, what is he paying for? What are you offering? What's so special about your sex that he can't get from anywhere else? Let's be real. But he's paid for her. He pray, paid the token of virginity. That's what he paid, the token of of virginity he paid for the ability to be able to say this woman has been untouched so when the moment i go into her i get to plant my seed in her and she only becomes assimilated to me in my raw sex course i talk about how important it is for you to limit your sexual partners to one if you can and i know a lot of us you know in my were you know have been in the same situation that I was where you may have been um raped and there's even biblically there's stipulation for that because of the understanding of what happens when a one when a woman has sex with multiple 
men. This is deeper than, oh, well, let them do it or they they do it because and they do it because they're men and let me do it. Like it's deeper than that. It has nothing to do with that and everything to do with the makeup of you as a woman. I mean, you squeak, the dough squeaking and everything. <laughs> I mean, it's fine. Um, can you close that? My bad, y'all. Like it's live, so <laughs> I'm live. I need one more thing. There's a book in the truck. The Dim and Him is at the back. Can you bring that? And I'm going to read a portion out of this book. I talk about it all the time because um, it gives a very concrete and clear understanding of what happens when a when a woman is allowing more than one man into her. And um, I, I'll go into that when we get there. So then shall the father of the damsel and her mother take and bring forth the tokens of the damsel's virginity. So they're bringing the, they're bringing the money back. This man is like, I paid for a virgin. <laughs> she wasn't a virgin. They bringing the money back. Right. And the damsel, the damsel's father shall say unto the elders, I gave my daughter unto this man. Nope. Elders. The damsel's father shall say unto the elders. Uh, that's, I can't go into that, but accountability you guys accountability which is one of the reasons why i feel like we or i believe because i don't want to go on the feelings tantrum i believe that we do not take virginity or purity um as serious as we need to take it is because we do not hold ourselves accountable for it any longer so he says i gave my daughter into this man to wife and he hated her and lo he had given occasions of speech against her saying I found not thy daughter a maid and yet these are the tokens of my daughter's virginity and they shall spread the cloth before the elders and the elders of the city shall take that man and chastise him and they shall immerse him in a hundred she shekels of silver and give them unto the father of the damsel because he had brought up an evil name upon a virgin of Israel and she shall be his wife and he may not put her away all the days of his life. So what is this saying? Basically, the man has said that the woman was not a virgin. So he's going back to the man, the woman's father and saying, hey, old girl was not a virgin. Well, the way that they proved the virginity was blood on the sheets, right? So if there were no blood on the sheets, and this is what it's talking about in verse 17, you shall spread the cloth before the elders. Because that was the understanding back then. God is way smarter than us, y'all. When I say way smarter, that was the understanding back then to prove whether the woman was a virgin or not. Okay, so... It says that, and they shall immerse him in a hundred shekels of silver and give them unto the father of the damsel because he had brought up an evil name upon a virgin of Israel. So this is saying, basically, if he's lying, then they're going to recompense the father for, see, this was shameful. It was shameful to have loose women in your household. It was shameful for your daughters to not be pure. So it's saying if he's brought this evil name upon her, we're going to recompense you for that. But she's got to be his wife. He can't put her away. He can't send her out, put her away and divorce or 
not technically the same thing. I'm not going to get into that, but he can't put her away. He can't divorce her. She's his. It says, but if this thing be true and the tokens of virginity be not found for the damsel, this is the consequence. And note that this is in Israel. So again, I'm talking to either one of two women, you who say that you are a daughter of the most high and you identify yourself as a Hebrew Israelite and you are a Hebrew Israelite daughter that's following this Torah. Or you say, well, I don't identify as a Hebrew Israelite, but I am a Christian. I do believe in the Bible. Then this is still for you. Okay. So it says, but if this thing be true and the tokens of virginity be not found, they're not found. She was actually not a virgin. Let's look at what happens. Then they shall bring out the damsel to the door of her father's house. Take her right back where she came from. And the men of her city shall stone her with stones that she die. Because she had wrought. That's a mistype right there, y'all. She had wrought, just overlooked the K, folly in Israel to play the whore. Not calling her a whore, but playing the whore, playing the, the identity of a whore in her father's house. So shalt thou put evil away from among you. So when we talk about the rise of whoredom, we need to, or whores in Israel, or whores as believers, we have to understand that there is an expectation of purity. There is an expectation, first of all, of virginity. And if you are not doing anything in your daughter's lives to protect their virginity, then that is a problem for the most high. That's a huge problem. Like, yes, this is an Old Testament scripture, but how many scriptures y'all want me to bring out in the New Testament? Because it doesn't change. It doesn't change at all. And so it's saying right here that if she is actually, if, if, if what he's saying is true and she was not a virgin, she need to go back to her father's house and, and not be patted on the back and not just say, okay, well, you know, we'll wait on the next man and trick him. Not say, well, it's okay. You may have made a mistake. No, her penalty was death. Is this too strong for y'all? Because it's strong for me. Like that, that for me, if, if we bring this up and this expectation up until February 6, 1999, and I lost my virginity, and let's say I kept that secret, and let's fast forward to me at age 19, and my ex-husband was expecting a virgin, but because I was not a virgin and I could not prove that virginity, boom, I'm dead at 19. Not just dead by the, I'm dead by the entire community. I'm dead by the entire community that knows we don't get down like that. Daughters of Israel do not get down like that. And so while we have joined in in the whoredom of this Babylonian system, or this westernized thinking or this Christian playing church thinking. And I'm not trying to offend anybody that claims to be a Christian. 
I'm not going to go into any lessons on why I don't necessarily call myself a Christian. I heavily believe in the scripture. I heavily believe in Torah first and foremost. I heavily believe in the God of the Bible. I do not have a huge respect for Christianity as a religion any longer. I cannot say that. I cannot say that truthfully. So I'm not saying to anyone that is a Christian that I don't like you or we don't have no I'm not saying any of that but Christianity for me has become a very weak religion in the aspect that we are one of the only cultures of of religion that I know that do what we want to do and people have no respect for that people have no respect for that they have no respect because any other religion you know, even even the even the what we would call fake Muslims or whatever, like they are adamant about their lifestyle. You gonna know them for being on the streets, selling their newspapers, they bean pies or whatever it is that they do in your city and your culture. Or you know, like Muslims that I knew, they dressed the way that they dressed. They, I mean, like you knew what they stood for. To say that you are a Christian and you can do whatever you want to do and grace covers that or we're not living in the bible days anymore whatever excuse that we want to make that sounds good to us it doesn't work for the most high it doesn't work for god and we see that because it's his word like how important do you think you are for him to change his word for you I guess that would be my question. Like, at what point do you really feel like God is like, well, it's okay because you're human. Well, he gave you a savior. And if I'm not mistaken, the New Testament, because <laughs> I guess those are the Bible days. The New Testament says that there is no temptation that's coming to man that Yeshua, Jesus himself didn't go through. And for every last one of those temptations, he'll give you a way out. So when I say kill the excuses, I do mean kill the excuses because either we are 100% about this word or we're not. And a lot of Christians are not. Even a lot of people that claim to be Hebrew Israelites are not because then a lot of Hebrew Israelites go into this self-righteousness. And, and granted, I understand who we are and all that type of stuff like that, but there's no other scriptures that I know of that also give you the arrogance to do what you want to do and take the word and flip the word however you want to flip it because you're a Hebrew Israelite so I don't care what you identify as the word is the word and anytime that you begin manipulating the word for your own good or to make you feel good about your lifestyle that's rebellion and the scriptures say rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. So what are we doing? So let's let's go into the understanding of let me pull this back up. I don't know why I took it off. Let's let's let me revamp because it is plainly telling you here that a man should be taking a wife, right? This wife is supposed to be a virgin. And if this wife is not a virgin, she's not considered a wife. But not only that, we ain't finna butter this thing up. We're not finna butter it up and say anything other than she gotta die. 
So what am I saying? I'm not saying, because a lot of y'all like to go left. I'm not saying that we should just take all the women and just kill them. Like, we can't even do that. This is not our land, not our culture. Like, we can't even do that. You know what I'm saying? However, what we can do is begin to hold one another accountable. As we go back and we look, it says the way that they handled this, they took it to the elders in the city. Where are the elders that you can go to to hold you accountable to your purity. You know, we've used celibacy as a trend. And the word celibacy really is a, is a commitment, not it's, it's a commitment to abstain from sex wholeheartedly. So I don't even think that we understand um, that in that notion, but you know, to each their own. I don't, I'm not judging either way. I'm just saying, understanding what you're saying when you say what you are, because I am celibate is a strong affirmation. And if you're waiting on a husband or, you know, you're abstaining from sex to wait on a husband, you may not want to um, consider yourself celibate in, in that sense. Um, or if it doesn't mean that to you, it doesn't mean that to you. So whatever, Hey, I'm just saying, Abstinence is required when you submit yourself to the most high. It doesn't matter that you've messed up in the past. And that's that's why I shared my testimony initially. I lost my virginity 1999 at 12 years of age before my 13th birthday in August. I've gotten that confused. So I, I believe I need to go and rectify some books or something. I said 13, really 12. I, I hope the math right on that. But either way it goes. It was before I should have been losing my virginity. And there are a couple of things, a couple of reasons, you know, we can go back and pinpoint, you know, um, me not understanding the requirement in the sense of how honorable my virginity was. Now, I knew it was important and I knew men wanted it, you know, or boys wanted it. I knew it was it was something that, you know, was to be cherished. But I didn't know it in the sense of what I should have known it from a scriptural point. And I did not have the protection that I should have had over it from a scriptural point. And this is no shader or anything to my parents at that time. Because if you know my mama and you know my story, you under, like the woman did not play, you know, and her lineage, her legacy will be where the most high takes Zoe speaks forever in a day because my message is nothing but purity. And so even in her young age, my mother was a teenage mother. She had me when she was 13. She um, was with, she was pregnant with me at 12. So coming from a generational lineage where our virginity was pretty much lost at such an early age, she did not want me to repeat that same pattern. So she was very adamant about the things that I listened to, the things that I watched, the places I went. She was very adamant about that. So I know that that is part of the solution. I don't take that away from my, my parenting as a mother. And I don't take that away from my mother in her parenting of me because she did exactly what she was supposed to do. And that was protect my innocence. However, I was in public school where a lot of other parents were not worried about protecting their children's innocence. And I was introduced to a lot of things that I shouldn't have not, I shouldn't have been introduced to. And 
even the young man that I lost my virginity to. And granted, you know, we have this notion that kids will be kids. I don't believe that. I believe that there is a way that you can that you can make sex a thing that is proud to talk about. You know, and I, I, one of you guys on my Zoe D Speaks page, we had some words this week or last week or whenever uh, previously about a status that I posted, you know, I was, and I was promoting the Naked and Unashamed course. And I made the statement that 13 was too young for me to know about my body or was it, you know? And he said, well, yeah, 13 was too young. It took me a minute to figure out I was talking to a male because I normally don't even entertain that. But, um, he said, well, 13 was too young. I said, well, maybe to have sex, yes, but not too young to understand my body, to understand what sex was, to understand how having sex would change the dynamics of me as a as an individual, as a as a young lady. And so he went on to say that, you know, sex was 13 is too young to be talking about sex. It's not. And I look at it like this. You teach your children how to brush their teeth. You teach their children how to bathe themselves. When, when girls get their cycles, you teach them how to put their pads on. You teach them what how to monitor their, their cycles each month. You or you should be. You teach them about everything around sex, but not sex itself. And this was kind of a downfall in my household. Sex was not something that we could talk about openly. It was something that was shameful. And nine times out of 10, because just of the culture of whatever, you know, her, my mom's experiences were, but we just didn't talk about sex. And that's why the first book that I wrote was Let's Talk About Sex. My course was initially Let's Talk About Sex, but I just kind of feel like it was corny. So it's naked and unashamed. You know, and I got that and I was it was actually through a conversation I was having with my Lord. And I think he said it and or something, however the conversation went. And I was like, that's it. Naked and unashamed, because if you go back to Genesis, it says that they were naked, the man and the woman, the man and his woman, his wife, and they were unashamed. And so our culture has demonized and perverted sex. To the point where we feel like as a culture, I think we should not have sexual topics or we shouldn't be explaining to our kids at a young age what sex is. Well, my son was seven when I taught him what reproduction was because it makes no it made no sense to me. I'm going to teach you how plants reproduce. I'm going to teach you how animals reproduce, but I'm not going to teach you about your own body and how your body reproduces. So, you know, at the time we were in a polygamous marriage and so it was, he had a classmate, not we were in a polygamous marriage, but um, we had another wife in the household with a daughter and I created a story time with them and I had them, I gave the body parts a name uh to kind of just make it creative um mr up the tube and all this type of stuff like that very just creative and it was funny it was hilarious and they liked it you know um both of them were able to basically understand 
what happened when a man and a woman had sex. They understood that the penis goes into the vagina, that at a certain point, the climax comes, sperm goes up the tube, and if it hits the egg, like, it's reproduction. Why are we demonizing that? What are we afraid of? And whatever it is that we are afraid of, and I, I can say for, for me and my experience, I believe that my mother was afraid that if I knew about it, then I would go and do it. When the truth was, after I lost my virginity, I actually made a commitment to myself to not do it again. And what made me kind of call, like just do away with that was when she found out that I was not a virgin anymore, um, she put me on birth control. And I understood that her biggest thing was she just didn't want me to get pregnant. Just don't get pregnant. Don't be a teenage mom like I was a teenage mom. And so there was no value in it other than just don't get pregnant. And so, you know, fast forward a couple of months later and I get with another guy and, um, hey, you know, boyfriend, girlfriend, this is this is what we do, right? We have sex. And it just never stopped. <laughs> you know, if I was with a guy, I just felt like, you know, you were supposed to have sex with them because we didn't have conversations in the realm of you don't owe this because of. A relationship or you know it was kind of just like it was understood that this is something that young people do and you just stay safe like we're literally out here telling our daughters and our sons to practice safe sex that tells me that we have no clue what sex is if all you can say is practice safe sex don't be out here and don't get no don't get no girl pregnant don't come home with a baby you don't understand what sex is and that's part partially part of the reason why our culture is in the way that it is and why we have our daughters as loose as they are you know and i think that we have this this notion as women will because we did or because we made mistakes we don't want them to go through the same thing well you don't want them to go through the same thing but what are you doing differently and how do you allow them to be honest with you about sex, about their bodies, about boys, about their desires, about what they're feeling? Because here's the thing. Somebody's talking to them about sex. Somebody is talking to them about sex. And if you're going to make a conscious decision not to be the one that's keeping it real, that's placing a value on it, we're going to keep repeating this cycle. This was so serious to the most high that this was one of the very things that could get you killed in Israel. Why? Why? And if it was that serious to the most high, why, do, why don't we think it's still that serious? If it was so serious that the Most High said, okay, this woman is not a virgin anymore. You have the right to bring the entire community before her in front of her father's house and stone her. And here we are congratulating teen pregnancies. Congratulating 20 and 
25-year-old single mothers. And then the first thing we want to say is, well, you know, you know, kids going to be kids and, you know, we can't judge them. And ain't no one seeing bigger. And I know I'm probably going to step on y'all toes if y'all got these kids and y'all kids and had kids and they ain't got no covenant. And I, I didn't write the Bible. But I do stand on it. And I do see it as a slap in the face to God. Like, we don't care. We're just going to do what we want to do. And God better forgive us. God better not judge us. God better save us with grace and mercy. Audacity is what it is. So what are we doing when we congratulate, when we uphold our children, our daughters, in their sexual exploitations. They're, we're not covering them in the way that they dress. We're not covering them in. And first of all, and I'm, I'm going to say, you know, because I know there are plenty, you know, women that grew up maybe, you know, Jehovah Witness or, you know, different things like that. And, you know, you probably covered from head to toe and this, this and the other. And granted, you did what you wanted to do. But there are also those, and I've talked to those women that have said, you know, my family didn't play that. You know, it was no such thing as you not being a virgin in my household. And I've heard women say that because of their upbringing, they left their households virgins. I know Christian women who were virgins when they got married, early 20s, late, late 20s. For whatever reasons, but the key is how, how much of a priority is it for your daughter to be a virgin in your household? How, how much of a priority is that? If you knew that shame and destruction would come upon her life by you not protecting her virginity, if you knew, if we were truly in the Bible days, as y'all say, where that girl would be stoned for not being a virgin on her wedding night. How much would you, how far would you go to protect that? How far would you go to protect that? But the rise of whores in Israel and in the Christian community and, and our culture is, oh, well, kids are going to be kids. You got to let them have fun. You got to let them be free because, you know, when they leave you, they're going to get loose anyway. So in other words, what God is saying don't matter. That's what we're saying. Or what about when we do realize that they have lost their virginity and, you know, it is what it is. Do we care so much about our daughters that we just accept them in that state? And we don't require anything more for them? And I've told my daughters, and you will probably do a replay because I, I want, um, I initially wanted them on here, but they're in there cooking and on their own live. And so that's fine. But I don't make it, and I've never made it okay 
for any type of sexual activities. What I have done is learn from the way that I was raised and say, okay, you know, this is an open book. Like there's, you know, we can talk about this. Yes, it's uncomfortable. Why is it uncomfortable? Because we have a, a generation of young people that believe that sex is so perverted and so, and you got to hide and sneak and do it. Well, no, I'm pointing my girls back to the scriptures and letting them know this is a requirement. Baby, come on, let's up this bride price because you're going to be valuable for whatever man that gets you. But whatever man that gets you is going to understand you ain't finna play with her. You ain't finna play with her. You're not finna touch on her. You're, you're not finna do all that. I'm not, And I'm not lowering my standard for this culture. I'm not going to do that because for me to lower my standard and say that it's okay for them to do anything other than what the scriptures say is a direct disobedience to the scriptures for me as a mother. Also, let's understand that this was man to man. This this man went to the woman's father. Let's let's go back and look at that. Let, let, let's let's go back and look at that. Who was the accountability on? Who was the accountability on? The father. When men approached a woman, it wasn't them approaching the woman. It was a them approaching the father. Well, we have a culture that don't have fathers in the home. A lot of girls do not have fathers in the home. One of my experiences, I had a stepfather in the home, but my stepfather did not consider me daughter as much as he did okay these are my wife's kids and you know this is this is what I signed up for because they had two other daughters that were biologically his so I came in the picture or he came in the picture with seeds of other men's children or seeds of other men seeds of other men so we didn't have that daughter-daddy relationship. Now, I've healed in a lot of ways, um, you know, to speak about this. And I'm not speaking on him in a, in a derogatory way because for all intents and purposes, he was who he was in my life at that time. And when I think about him now, I do think about the memories that I enjoyed thinking about. You know, he taught me how to play checkers like we. I remember a lot of good things about his life um, as a, a young girl under his under his roof you know but I would be a lot to say that I didn't have to experience some hurtful things with him not covering me as a daughter and this is one of the things that kind of pisses me off in my own situation because I do have you know situations and people that do not respect my husband as a father to the kids to to my daughters because he's not their biological father but what he pours into them are things that he desires to pour into his own blood. What he pours into them are things that their blood doesn't even pour into them. So it's an insult. It's, it's, it's an insult. And if y'all know, like I said the other day, like I don't play about my husband, like the, the sacrifices that he makes to do the things that he does and pour into these girls under his roof. He takes accountability for that. So 
with a lot of us as young women not having dads and not even having dads or maybe having dads that didn't teach them and didn't cover them, where do we go? And how do we redeem ourselves from this defilement? The Lord calls it evil. He calls it evil, y'all. And there's a scripture that says, "Woe unto them that call good evil and evil good." He's calling it evil. Y'all so ticked off at me about me learning about polygyny and saying that okay, if your husband wants another wife, that's absolutely biblical. That you're not even understanding that what we have called evil and lustful and what we have demonized has actually been righteous and what we are literally not condemning is what the Lord has called evil. And I know a lot of y'all want to get, you know, emotional, you know, with the little girls and, you know, well, they're going to make mistakes and all that. Then they shall bring out the damsel to the door of her father's house and the men of her city shall stone her with stones that she died because she had wrought folly in Israel to play the whore in her father's house. So shall thou put evil away from among you. Giving our daughters an excuse to rise in whoredom to play the whore in our households is equivalent to doing this to the scriptures. Because either the word is final authority in your household or it's not. And Joshua said it like this, as for me and my house, I will serve the Lord. Now, once again, no, I'm not saying we have the authority to go out here and stone people. We first need to get back to the accountability. We need to get back to the accountability. We have removed ourselves far, far away from holding our daughters accountable and holding ourselves accountable for teaching purity. Because in order to teach purity, you also need to be an example of purity. And this was, and I talk about this in the cause of purity. This was really one of um, a cause of purity is, is a course in a book. But I talk about this and I explain that I know that my mom did what she did in restricting me, in, in controlling certain things, and in, in even trying to shield me from certain things. And I know that she did that in her mind as a protection, as a shield, but also that was it, that 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 was not even for her to do. There was a man that should have been there doing that. And that man should have been my father. Well, my father died when I was five. But there was supposed to be an elder or a man that took me on as a daughter to line me up in this word and much of my life I grew up Christian I grew up Christian I grew up in church every single Sunday the guy that I lost my virginity to was the youth pastor's son <laughs> because it was common to have boyfriends and girlfriends and you know to us we were going to get married and we were going to be like his mom and his daddy you know they were young young high school sweethearts and so we were going to be the same thing 
but there was no structure in understanding that if you lay with this girl, like something's going to really happen to y'all. And so what has happened is we are paying for this spiritually. We're paying for this in the evil that we see, because I'm going to call it what God calls it, the evil that we see in multiple sex partners with, with us in, from, from a very young age. And whether you understand it or not, as a woman, if you've had more than one sex partner, you are difficult to assimilate to with a husband. This is not just scripture. This is DNA. Bi bi this is biology. And some of y'all like to get real smart. Some of well, you know, if I use a condom, then his DNA. When you have sex with a man, your body releases the oxytocin that says, I'm yours. I am yours. You belong to me. I belong to you. Is direct assimilation. You are one. Like we see in Avatar when they pull the, the hairs and they connect the hair. It's one in the soul realm. It's considered marriage. That's why I say we don't understand how important it is to honor virginity and honor our daughter's sexuality. Because we, we're so shallow with it and we leave it to, oh, well, as long as they don't get pregnant or as long as they don't come home with a disease, you can clear disease up. I've been touched by diseases. You can clear diseases up. You can work to take care of a baby. But what about the sexual attachment? What about the soulage attachment? What about the DNA of this man that is imprinted forever in this woman? What about the drama that you go through in this hyper monogamous slash polygynous culture where you go from one boyfriend to the next boyfriend to the next boyfriend to the next boyfriend? I remember being in high school and I, I did have this thing, you know, um, and many can attest to this, where I was not really going to, like, you was going to wait. I wasn't really going to just be with you <laughs> after a day or two, like, like I said, I grew up like, watch yourself. Don't just be loose. You know, I grew up covering myself, even not covering myself to the standard that we do now. But my mother was not about to let me go out of the house with my butt hanging and like all my thighs out. Like my mama was not playing it. Like I used to say she was crazy, but the woman had more sense in her than half y'all do these days. Because we've gotten so engulfed in this culture with proms and birthdays and you know keeping up with the joneses y'all babies be out here half naked breast all out 16 17 years old anyway so i didn't really for the majority of my relationships because i i had moments where you know it was quick like i i, I was i was easy access but for the majority, I was not easy access. And I remember trying to decide. <laughs> I remember trying to decide when I was going to have sex with one of my exes. And I literally just kept having sex with another ex because I was hiding the tail. I didn't want to have sex with the new boyfriend because I didn't trust him. But I was hiding the tail. So I kept having sex with the ex even though I let him know like I'm not with you I'm really with somebody else but I don't want to have sex with him like you know I didn't say all that but that was really 
<laughs> that was really the reason. It's not funny, but that was the reason. Like that was my 17 year old like logic. Like, no, I'm not gonna have sex with him yet. So I'll just keep having sex with you until I'm ready to have sex with him. Like that was my 17 year old logic, right? Sad. But I'm going through this whole story because I had a friend and we were having these conversations and I was like, you know, I think I want to have sex with him, but I think it's too soon. And I never will forget. She said, I don't care. We've been together for a day. If I want it, I'm getting it. That public school influence. My counsel. And maybe... A couple of weeks later, you know, I, I ended up, um, we had sex for the first time. But, y'all, it's far beyond the physical. And if we don't bring back a standard of purity, if we don't bring back a standard of teaching our daughters and being the example, I think I was about to go there and I lost my train of thought. I didn't see a lot of examples. I did not see a lot of examples. I saw people teach me to stay pure. Because why buy the cow if the milk is free, right? So a lot of people put purity in my head, but I didn't see them living pure. So when God gave me this mandate and this charge, and when I said yes to it, use me to be your spokesperson. Use me to teach, Lord, so other little girls won't have to go through this and learn these lessons like I had to learn them. Yes, use me. When I said that, the first thing he said was, okay, well, you know, close your legs and leave old boy alone because he's not the one. I'm going to tell you how assimilated I was to this man. I left this man alone. He got married. I got married. We the divorced. I got back with this man. Didn't work out. God closed the door for the second time. Got remarried. He did what he did along the years. Stuff happened. Got reconnected with this man. And by the time I got connected with him the third time, I didn't, I didn't even care. I didn't care who he was with. I didn't care what was going on. I didn't care. I didn't think he was still married, but he was, and I didn't know that. So I did care about that part. So when I did find out he was still married, then of course that that kind of like closed the door. But God closed this door on this man. It took 13 years. 13 years before the assimilation process to him literally broke. That was the only relationship that I had where I only was with him. And for a year and a half, it was constant assimilation. So I love his dirty jaws. I love the players that he liked. I love the shoes that he liked. I love the music that he liked. I was completely in assimilation to this man. There was nothing that he couldn't have done so wrong where I would have walked away from. That made it very difficult as a new wife to assimilate to a husband that actually committed to me. And I couldn't figure it out because I know that this man don't want me. And I know that we're not good for each other. I know, like, I understand that. But why is it that I can't let go? Assimilation. So I'm going to, this is the book 
the them and him. This is the book, the them and him. Um, and I'm gonna read something because we keep I I keep hearing women want to compare our sexual experiences to men's sexual experiences. They're not the same. And I want to give this definition, and this definition changed my life because this is the definition that made me go and actually study what it meant um, to understand adultery. And so once I understood this, then it was way easy for me to say, okay, well, yeah, polygyny makes sense now, you know. Um, and I wish I just had an understanding of this. A lot of these things I speak on, I teach on, I share my understanding of it because I wish that someone had told me sooner. And I can't change that. But now I can at least be the spokesperson that I told Yahweh that I would be for him. So this is page 220 of them and him. And this is, this is defining adultery. It says, most of the confusion, I'm going to pick up, uh, most of the confusion lies in the failure of most Western Christians to remember that the definition of adultery from a scriptural perspective, scriptural perspective, hinges on the marital status of the subordinate. The subordinate is the subordinate is the woman. Just like you go on your job, if you work your job, you are a subordinate. Right. So it hinges on the marital status of the woman because they do not understand biblical family structure. The average Christian makes application of the scripture without consideration of gender to adulterate. This is the part that I want you guys to understand. To adulterate means to make impure or to mix in something that does not have a right to be there. This is why there is such a strong correlation of adultery with idolatry. In scripture, God being in superior position in the covenantal relationship with man does not want any other gods in man. Similarly, adultery is sex with a taken or married woman. She is made impure or contaminated by the seed of anyone other than her husband. The one who goes into his neighbor's wife commits adultery because she is not his own wife. The wife who allows a man other than her husband to go into her has committed adultery because only her husband has the right to go into her. So that being said, I want to go into what um, there's a there's a quick. Uh, notion about concubines I want to go into because I, I say this and I think I said this and I think I kind of made some of y'all mad because I don't know um, I think y'all thought that I was saying that most of us as women don't deserve to be nobody's wife but I'm really trying to explain to you is really deeper than that because if you are not coming into a marriage as a virgin then biblically that it's technically a lower standard. It's, it doesn't devalue you in the sense that you're not worthy, especially if, you know, you've been molested, you've been raped. That's how your virginity got taken or you just were in a situation like I was where it took you 30 plus years to actually, you know, have some type of revelation given to you. So a lot of this does not, a lot of this responsibility does not hinge on you as the woman. 
But once you understand what's right from wrong biblically, now is your responsibility. And I said this the other day, as a daughter of Israel, when you come into this truth, you are held to a higher accountability. So I can't understand how, you know, you're married and you're a daughter of Israel and you claim to be a daughter of Israel or you came into the truth of understanding, uh, identifying as a Hebrew Israelite. And then you leave your husband like a modern Western woman do. <laughs> like, what are we doing? Like, is this just a for show or are we really living by the word that we say we're living by? And then what happens typically, and I'm saying this for myself because I saw it in myself first. I'm not passing judgment on you as a woman. But when I left my husband, I went back into the same boredom that I was in before we met. No, I didn't do it in a way that was showy because I've never really been that type. But a whore is a whore. I mean... <laughs> Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna go. So a concubine. Um I wanna go. There's a part in here where she talks about it said, and this is page 253. It says there are many women who would consider themselves wives because they have legal marriage licenses, wedding bands, who meet more of a biblical definition of a concubine because one, they are not fully assimilated to their husband as, as he is submitted to Christ. Two, they have competing prior agreements, obligations, and agendas that they have elevated to equal or greater priority than pleasing the most high through pleasing their husband. Three, they resist accountability to their husband as it relates to their time, money, and other aspects of their life. Four, they actually may distract or hinder their husband from reaching his full potential in completing the work which the Most High has assigned him to do. Last year was a huge distraction. Uh, that's all I'm going to say about that because um, that's, 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 he said it and I'm repeating him and that's all we'll say about that until we're led to go into detail on a testimony, however the Lord gives it to us. But as a woman with multiple sex partners, your assimilation process is a lot more difficult if he's not the first man. And so we have, my God, embraced the whole phase as a thing. And we support, we literally support Women having a whole phase. Get it out of you. Because we think that this is what men do. Men whore around and, you know, they don't really get serious until they're about 30. Well, culturally, and this is why I do believe that we are the people of the Bible, because a lot of the, the, the characteristics in men that we see are literally in sync with the culture of Israel culturally you really weren't a man until you were 30 but you were under guidance you were under elders you had counsel culturally it was also known that if you sleep with this woman then she is now your responsibility because you have humbled her it even says that if you rape a woman if you rape a woman and you take her virginity she's your responsibility you can't put her away you have humbled her 
So the way that the Lord sees sex and the way that we identify sex is totally different. And us not understanding that is detrimental and dangerous to our culture as we grow. And if we don't understand, as we don't repent, if we don't repent and say, okay, Lord, help us do this the way that you have intended for us to do this then we're going to continually watch a repeated cycle of whoredom, of daughters of the Most High, women that say that they love God, but they do not love him enough to submit their sexualities to him. And we are reaping what we sow. You wonder why we can be with a man all day long, but he won't commit to you. Or why you keep going through repeated cycles of relationship after relationship after relationship, but he won't commit to you. Maybe you're the one that's hard to commit to. And maybe there's a reason for that. My husband said this the other day about one of the, the young ladies that we follow. Um, Cause I, you know, I watch women now a lot closer um, being, you know, in the polygynous family. And um, I really, really did like, I, I like this young lady in the sense of, you know, she's headstrong. Um, We share a lot of similarities. I'll just put it like that because I don't, I'm, I'm trying to make a point without going into all that. We share a lot of similarities and um, I do enjoy connecting with her. I enjoy connecting with her. I enjoy the conversations that we have whenever we have them. I don't talk to women on the day. Like I, the, the women that I do intentionally talk to is very intentional. Like if I'm, if I talk to you or you hear from me every day, like, like, I said and I said again, like I, I don't take that lightly um, because in the scope of a day, if you understood what I have going on, a text from me is is significant. <laughs> I don't care if it's nothing but peace, love and light. A text from me is very significant. So I like this young lady in the sense of a sisterhood bond. OK, before y'all get twisted. Um, but. My husband said, because <laughs> I, I, you know, I talked to him like I, I don't I don't know what type of marriage y'all have, but like I can my husband is my best friend. Like he like I talk to him and I tell him stuff like it's, it's nobody's business. And I was I don't know. We were just having a conversation if, if he brought it up and he said. She always got something going on, though. Like she literally always had something going on. And I just be one. These are his words. He's just like, I just be wondering, like, like, do you ever have a day where you don't have anything going on in your life? Cause you gotta understand, like, it's peace in my home. <laughs> it's peace. And when we invite people into this home, it's a home of peace. I don't care what materialistic things we don't have, we have peace, right? So if he's looking at you and he's seeing nothing but drama. That's like a red flag all day long. 
And he said this. These are his words as a man. He said this. He said, she probably has really good sex. She's probably really good for a night. But not to live with. You don't have men that are honest enough to probably tell you, yeah, like this is all good and you can do this and this is nice, but you're not valuable enough. You don't bring enough to this table for me to take you on every single day. And when I talk to y'all like that, I like y'all get emotional instead of just looking at the facts and looking to see what's in you. Like, and I posted, like, without blaming men, why are you still single? And I think I maybe had just one comment that just said, okay, I don't want to commit. And I respected that. But the other comment still went back to men. So, you know, when I speak, I speak to bring accountability to us as women because the word brings you accountability. And even though our culture does not, even though our um, average um, community does not bring you accountability, the Bible brings you accountability, sister. I'm not the one that's going to sit up here and tell you, well, it's okay if you and your man, you know, have sex while y'all No, like I'm not. And then too, I had to tell my daughters. When my, my my Lord and I got together, you know, we were selling, we were abstinent at first and we strayed away from that. And, but he was not ready to cover me in marriage. Like, and I knew that and he knew that, but in that same token, like there should not have been the sexual relationships going on. I'm, I'm, I hear y'all when y'all say sex is marriage for the Israelites. Um, but I also understand that there's accountability that comes with that sexist marriage thing. So I'm not really on that train. So anyway, um, it got to the point where the Lord literally burnt me up and showed me like I told you to close your legs, close your legs. And it got to the point where I had to put that relationship on the line with him. And I had to tell him, I can't do this no more. I cannot, I cannot, and I cannot do this. This is not some sermon that I'm listening to. This is the Lord himself showing me that if you keep on playing with this fire, it's going to burn you. And that fire kept getting hotter and hotter and hotter and hotter until I said, okay, Lord, I'm just going to be obedient. And it was through that obedience that caterpillar a lot of things with us, especially our our patrol period or engagement period, whatever you want to call it. Um, so I tell my daughters, if I had to submit to the most high at 30, 31, and not have sexual activities for 400 days. I counted them because he reminded me. I counted them. It was 400 days. If this was the accountability that I had to have, what do I look like telling you as a little girl? Well, no, I don't want you to have sex, but you know, if you make a mistake and do it, 
the rise of whoredom. So I propose to you as a mother, as a father, as a mother, because I'm not talking to fathers, even though that's, but we don't have a lot of fathers in the home. And, you know, our community shows statistically that over 70% of us as single women are raising kids alone. And that's really sad. But what's more sad is that we don't really see that it's a problem. Because somewhere along the line, we believe that this is okay. And majority of those that believe proclaim to be Christians or daughters of Israel following the Torah. The scripture says to him who knows right and does wrong to him that's a sin. Yahweh then place us here to be loose. He didn't do that. And he didn't place us here to count how many women these men sleeping with. Your Bible tells you that if a man lays with a woman that he is not patrolled to, if he lays with a woman, um, that he is to marry her. You have different statuses of women for men in the scriptures. You have men, righteous men that literally slept with whores and no condemnation was given to them. You had men that had multiple wives multiple baby mamas, however you want to put it, and no condemnation was given to them. And the only time you see a man being stoned or a man having a penalty for any sexual thing in relation to women was when it was another man's wife. And if we go back into Leviticus 18, there are different things and penalties there and all that. Um, and most of those are directed towards men. So I propose that we stop trying to keep up with our men's body counts, first of all. I do want men to understand that they are not obligated to monogamy by scripture because I think that if they understood that we would be able to do this thing so much more righteously. But even if not, I do want us as daughters of the Most High, as Christian women, to understand that there is a call to purity. There is a call to purity. And you can answer that call and start your journey and let the most high cleanse you, let him redeem you, let him maybe even make you a mouthpiece for him to the other sisters. Or if not, just live, live your life in, in clean sexual purity. Or just keep doing what you want to do and reaping what you sow behind it. I... 
like Paul said, I beg you, I beg you seriously to let's get the evil out of our bodies. Let's get the evil out of our minds. Let's get the evil out. You were not meant to have multiple sex partners as a woman. You were not meant for that. You were meant to have your virginity honored. You were meant biblically to be with one man. Anything other than that and any other excuse to not try to allow our redemption is this to God. Because what it says is, this is my body and I'm going to do what I want to do with it. And it's not your body. If you say that you belong to him, it's not your body. If we choose to keep going in the direction that we're going in, then we will continue to see our daughters follow in our own footsteps. We will continue to see them raise as whores. I'm finishing up. And I know y'all probably gonna get sensitive with me saying that, but that's literally what the scriptures say. So I'm just gonna say what the scripture says. We y'all need let y'all want me to go back. Let me go back because before y'all holler about Zoe called y'all daughter's hoes. Um to play the whore in her father's house. That is what it was considered. That's what it was considered. So I'm not putting words in the Bible and twisting my own thing from the Bible. That is literally what it was considered. Even with Tamar, and this is, I'll give y'all some homework. Go read about Tamar and um, Judah. And when uh, she got pregnant and they came and they told her, they came and they told Judah that um, Tamar was pregnant and said she played the harlot. So let's call a spade a spade. It's very black and white in the scriptures. There is a call to purity for you as a woman that says that you believe in the Bible. And we are either going to honor that or just keep sticking our middle finger up and saying, if you Lord, because I'm going to do what I want to do. Um, I'll stop there. And um, next month, we're going to start with 40 days to freedom. If you are ready to start a journey of purity, if you're ready to start or restart your journey to purity, I restarted mine a couple of times. So this is like just no condemnation. You know, one thing about the Lord is I know he is not condemning in the sense where, you know, he attaches your behavior to your identity. He sees you as he sees you. And that's why he has the expectations for you that he has. It's like, I tell my daughters, like, I'm not going to lower my standards because I see you as a princess. So what do I look like telling my princess is that it's okay for you to be out here and boys rubbing all on you and touching your butt. No, like I, that's, that's not princess behavior. That's not queen behavior. So I'm not going to teach them how to be little hoes in my household. Like they understand there is there is a standard. I'm not dropping my standard because it's what the scriptures say. It's technically not my standard. It's the standard of the scriptures. And I'm just in agreement with it. And so if you are interested in restarting 
or starting your purity journey or um, a journey to answer this call to purity, then definitely join me next Thursday. Um, for those of you that may watch this afterwards, um, this will be January the 5th, January the 5th. Um, and I'm going to go into 40 Days to Freedom, um, which is a journal. It's a call to purity journal devotional. It has basically, it's to prepare you for a 40 day fast. So I'm definitely going to suggest that you fast for 40 days along with it. But every day calls your heart to Abba Father every single day. Every single day you are acknowledging where you are and you are crying out to him for him to meet you where you are and lead you onto and into your path for purity. It's literally one of the, my favorite books that I've ever written because of the transformation that it um it brings. And so it brings you out of a mindset that this is okay and that this is just life and that this is just the standard of living. And, you know, this is just how life goes because this is what we do. And it brings you into an understanding of my Lord requires higher of me. And in understanding that, it brings you into his heart for you because he's not telling you that you need to be under you know, one man only so that you can um, be somebody's slave, you know, but it is your protection. And if you don't think it's your protection, how well are you doing as a single woman? So January will be a, a huge focus on singleness and even still to women that are married because like the book said, you know, a lot of you guys would consider yourself wives according to the government standards, but you're not assimilated to your husbands. And you, you, you're not assimilated because there are still things and issues, you know, as the book was describing, that won't really allow you to be. And you have to acknowledge that before you can fully assimilate to him. There are still many issues that I didn't even know that I had um, that prevented full assimilation uh, to my Lord. But you know, as I'm learning more, I assimilate more and I understand the power in that assimilation, you know. So join me January the 5th um, as we jump into 40 Days to Freedom. Um, if you are interested and want to get ahead a, a of that, you can go to witnesslegend.com. It's been scrolling on the screen. Witnesslegend.com, 40 Days to Freedom is on the website. You can get your copy. Uh, today <laughs> and uh, get started. I actually have some copies that I can just go ahead and ship off. But yeah, we're gonna we're gonna really really get free for those of you that want to get free, and for those of you that are really 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 serious about being somebody's wife. Um, I highly suggest Forty Days of Freedom, and I am going to set in place um, the platform in motion for you to take your journey. Um, even if I have to do that with you, take your journey and take it, you know, serious enough for you to understand that whoredom is not your call. You know, I'll leave you with this. It says that there are to be no, no whores of the daughters of Israel. So whether you identify as an Israelite, 
or not, if you have assimilated to the scriptures and consider yourself a Christian, that word still applies to you. So there is a call to purity. And my question is, are you ready to answer it? Until next time, be peace, be light, be love. <laughs>